0: Beyond Governance, making sense of doing business in South Africa, is proudly sponsored by Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making.
1: Hello to you, beloved listener of Beyond Governance here at 101.9 High FM, uh, and thanks for tuning in. Yours truly is Nimrod Mbele, and once again, thank you for allowing me to be part of your space. Um, as always, we have a packed show that will certainly illuminate some governance and management insight from the lens of our esteemed guests, which I believe will make a positive difference in sharpening your perspectives. The year is finally over. Believe it or not, we are literally left with uh, less than four weeks before most companies wind down and getting for 2024. I suppose for entrepreneurs, this is an opportunity uh, to sharpen In the business acumen by working even harder uh, in preparation for 2024. We know that entrepreneurs do not enjoy the the luxuries of salaries. But however, when things turn out for entrepreneurs, it's always marvelous, it's always beautiful and so fulfilling. Talking of um, the entrepreneurship, it is actually a, a serious matter in South Africa, especially when looking at. Unemployment rate, which is sitting at about 39 or 40%. This picture looks even bleaker when you're looking at unemployment rates among the youth, which is estimated at more than 60%. You know, uh, to put this issue in context, I attended the awards being led by Chartered Governance Institute of Southern Africa last week. This was the awards for best. Performing companies in the context of integrated reporting, they had invited Kaskaveria, who is the CEO of Business in South Africa, as the keynote speaker. And, you know, three things stood out for me when kas ascended to the stage uh, and giving his keynote uh, address. It is very clear. One is that business can no longer sit on the fence, given what given what is at stake in the country. Secondly. We have literally, as a country, sitting on economic precipice, which is something that he constantly raised. And the other issue that he had brought that really stood out for me is the fact that we often boast by saying Santin is the richest square kilometer in the continent. And we forget to mention that just across the road, literally stone throw from where Santan is, we've got Alexander, which is the poorest township. That stark reality in this country was felt in that particular room where people literally, um, you know, there was almost like motionless at some point, because clearly majority of people can't just share off and pretend as if these stark realities are not concerning. They are certainly concerning. The other issue that he also raised, uh, this is Kaskevedia, as I'm reflecting on his keynote address, and that particular conference is that there isn't much of an issue about the South African economic setup. There is so much, the problem is with our body politic. And be that as it may, you just cannot say there's nothing wrong with the South African economic setup when we know that there are a whole lot of issues. For an example, the state capture has put it to bear issues that private sector organisations have had the role to play in literally messing up the economy, as it were. But it was good in that he, he was able to acknowledge that, that, you know, a part of the, the refinement of, of King report is to see how you could institute penalties against companies that are members of, of Bursa. And I think it was just astonishing that we sort of appreciate the challenges that the country is experiencing, and business is gradually uh, putting its mouth or its money where its mouth is in terms of trying to steer the ship away from the cliff uh, that we've been confronted with. One of the issues that I want to want to you know reflect on very briefly is the whole issue of Palapala. We know that, or we've heard over last week that the president has confirmed that. Should the president be found guilty in the robbery scandal, he will he gladly step down. This raises a whole lot of questions around what will happen to the state capture report. Will the follow-up be done with with the rigor and vigor which it deserves? Who is going to lead the party or the movement or the ANC, and more specifically? To what extent, you know, the issues of economic emancipation or economic drive will be on the agenda. But we have literally not seen much leadership. That is a reality. The economy is not growing. You know, most people have thought that the Tumamina campaign would deliver us from, you know, economic quagma, but clearly it's not. It's not happening. And we'll just put that aside and hope for the best that, you know, whoever's going to send to the position of power will take the country in its in his or her own confidence. you put the country first before the party. The other issue that I want to raise, which is linked to you know, the, the party, that it is in question. We've heard that you know, through the Minister of Transport, Figuilem Balula, that yet again, PRASA is found in the mix. He made announcement, if I'm not mistaken, yesterday, that there were about 1,400 employees working at PRASA who couldn't be verified. My goodness, 1,400 employees who could not be refined. Elsewhere, you know, well, I suppose maybe put it this way. The question in anyone's mind is how long were these ghost employees in the employ of Prasa? At what cost? Because these are the issues that I would have wanted to hear the minister saying, based on our findings, so many people were in the employ of, of Prasa at so much. And most importantly, what are you going to do about it? For me, this is very simple. It's a governance matter. One is that the board is the custodian of what happens at PRASA, including employing the cleaner at that low level. The board has interest. The board must take those issues very seriously. What's going to happen with the board, one? And what's going to happen to the HR director? And what is going to happen to the HR and Remuneration Committee chairperson of the board, because these are issues which sit in those pockets. I mean, it's very shocking. It is shocking and simply embarrassing. Or have you become so desensitized as South Africans that we just shred our shoulders and simply move on? I think we can't just move on. We demand answers, you know, we deserve the best. And elsewhere, the Minister of Transport these things happening under his or her nose would have been forced to resign. But elsewhere, this is South Africa, people are still here. We have had so many instances where, you know, ministers still remain irrespective of the kind of shenanigans that we're implicated in. But anyway, that's the... And by the way, issue. I just wanted to quickly reflect on that. On that exasperation note, I implore you to visit our, our website, which is www.highfm.com. Download any of the podcasts and share your views with us through our social media. Our SMS line is 34519. The telegram is, of course, is 61 And your thoughts and views are most welcome via my Twitter handle, which is at Meli Before we start the show, it is important that we acknowledge the producer of the show, Busuma Singer, whose technical competencies is beyond approach. Vusi, thank you very much uh, for wonderful work that you do, that you are doing. <laughs> Moving along, um, getting to the gist of today's conversation, it is very interesting to see the return of normality, if you like, thanks to the end of COVID restriction. We have seen the resumption of big events, which the country had become so accustomed to before COVID nineteen. And I'm sure everyone welcomes the developments, wherein big events, indeed a blessing to our shows. You know, once again, sectors such as traveling, hospitalities, would thrive under these circumstances when such big events are being launched. These events at any given time provide huge job opportunities that are so desperately needed uh, by our people. Talking of big events, there is China Home Live uh, X Trade Show, which, runs, which returns to South Africa after a two-year break, thanks to COVID. It, it is entering a sixth edition of Africa's largest China Sourcing event, uh, which is taking place at Galaga uh, Convention Center uh, on the 15th to the 17th of November. In making sense of this pretty much glorious event, I'm joined by Sakima Pabela, who is a CEO at Papasha Media, a local media partner. Saki, once again, thank you very much for coming through. Good morning to you.
2: Good morning, Nimrod. Uh, Thank you so much, man, for this uh, wonderful opportunity to speak to you and your listeners. No,
1: the pleasure is mine, Saki. There's been long that you and I uh, have had this opportunity uh, engaging. I've known you, what, for 15 years or so, and it, it had to take this event to rekindle. What do you make of that?
2: Yeah, no, certainly. You know, we've known each other for a long time. And uh, I appreciate, you know, having to engage in uh, these healthy discussions with you and to see how we can contribute, you know, in changing the atmosphere of our country, as it were.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Take us through this, uh, the sixth edition of Africa's largest China. So um, the Africa's largest trade in a
2: country, as it were. Yeah, so uh, this event is uh, actually uh, called uh, China Home Life and Machine Expo. So essentially uh, Nimrod is a a trade fair, you know, so uh, we bring together uh, Chinese uh, businesses uh, that come down to the country to present uh, different uh, solutions in terms of products as well as machinery. So the idea really behind this is to uh, sort of bridge uh, the gap that exists uh, between uh, the discussions that take place at government level and uh, business to business. So we sort of bring it closer to get businesses to interact with with each other. And uh, the beauty about this is that it actually contributes uh, to the whole narrative of uh, beneficiation and manufacturing in the country Because remember, for South Africans to be able to manufacture on their own, they still need to have the, the right machinery to be able to produce uh, within the country. So this is one of the things that I really like about this event because uh, the, the Chinese uh, are quite advanced in terms of the machinery and the equipment that is used to produce different products. And this is what uh, South Africans get to see at the event. And of course, there are different products uh, from different uh, industries. You know, uh, I mean, you can think of any industry really. From uh, the built environment uh, all the way to beauty, uh, cosmetics, electronics—you know—so they come, uh, they bring samples down uh, to South Africa, and they get to present these and um, start conversations with local businesses, entrepreneurs, you know. So, so I'm just summarising the nature of the of the event at this point.
1: No, that's quite useful to hear. Uh, it, it is clear that it's quite a huge um, venture. But, you know, in terms of the breakdown, is the thought process of having Chinese obviously selling their products? Or part of the conversation is how South African can partner with the Chinese companies to establish those businesses in the country? How far are we or is that a a consideration? If it's not, why not?
2: So it certainly is a consideration uh, and not just a consideration, but uh, what happens on the ground. Uh, Because remember, uh, the nature of the different conversations that get to take place uh, at the event uh, is is really at business level. So, for instance, uh, you might find that uh, there's a a company in China that uh, produces a certain... um, Products, and of course, they want to partner with a South African company that can set up a possibly a factory in the country or even in some instances resell some of the products. So uh, we don't really limit uh, the, the, the conversations and the nature of the, of, uh, the, the deals that the, the companies make. So they decide on their own. But of course, uh, the idea is to encourage um, a fair and a rather more collaborative approach to make sure that there's mutual benefit, you know, from both ends. So you don't find a situation where only one country benefits. Because remember that this is also in the spirit of the bilateral agreements uh, between uh, South Africa and China. So, so there's, there, there, is, there must be mutual benefit. So we encourage that kind of a narrative even when we speak to our own businesses here in the country, we tell them that, look, it must not just be a question of you buying only, but you must uh, sort of uh, establish if you can take it to the next level, you know, in the sense that you manufacture on your own, you buy the machinery, you learn from Chinese. I mean, we cannot dispute the fact that uh, China is one of the countries that have been leading in terms of of innovation and technology and and in terms of production as well and productivity. So we can only learn the South African businesses, you know, from this giant, you know, uh, which is China. So that's the view that we take as uh, as organizers of the event. And also me being a South African, I I really try by all means to protect the interest of of South Africans. Um,
1: On that South African note, which I want to applaud you on. We know that um, at the face value, there's not much competition because China, as you've correctly pointed out, it is a superpower and the, the relationship is almost skewed. South African buys pretty much everything. I mean, at some point, textile industry used to be a dominant income generating stream for South Africans. That has now gone to China. And, and and it's it's not coming back anytime soon. So the question that I want to link this is with from the state point of view, and to have state entities that are part of the conversation to ensure that where there is an interest of localizing some of the some of the goods, products and services, we can plug in or bring in state institutions such as IDC, such as such as CIFA, because we know bringing in manufacturing muscle. There are a whole lot of financial implications that are laden. Take us through that process.
2: Yeah, so the the nature of the event, uh, Nimrod, is such that it's uh, purely entrepreneurial and business, you know, so we don't really uh, get to engage a government directly in terms of getting involved in the, um, uh, in the process and in the development of the event, right? However, there is nothing that stops um, our own businesses when they see an opportunity to approach the likes of the DFIs, you know, as you as you correctly uh, alluded to. Uh, they can definitely talk to the likes of the, the IDCs and the NEFs uh, to just um, maybe to explain to them how, uh, they want to take the deals forward you know with the with the chinese businesses so um in our discussions though uh, it has come up recently that uh, perhaps we should um, begin to get a, a way uh, that encourages our businesses to approach they like the financials, you know, maybe beforehand, before the event. But of course, we, we we do this cautiously because we don't want it to look like uh, possibly another uh, just a, like a government initiative per se. Hence, I'm saying that the spirit of the event is mainly entrepreneurial and based on um, uh, on business-to-business relations, you know. Uh, otherwise, if we got involved too much in terms of government, would end up entering the space that would have otherwise uh, been um, the, the domain of your possibly your ministers and the diplomatic arrangements so we 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 take it down to just uh, the, the, the conversations and the deals and the transactions you know um yeah and we've dealt uh, we've actually been able to invite a lot of buyers uh, from different companies um we've also invited um sourcing managers from supply chains and procurement departments of different companies you know yeah Absolutely. and it's, it's quite an involved event as well you know so there's only so much that that one can do because mm. imagine i mean to bring uh, a 450 um, uh, 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 Chinese businesses in the country, the logistics that are involved in the process, the preparations, the planning, you know, it's, it's quite quite a, a lot of work. It's quite involved.
1: I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. On that note, we're going to have to pay our bills um, and come back just in a second.
0: Beyond Governance, making sense of doing business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making. With Weather we'll the Unexpected, We've stepped into a new world. And now it is a time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point, it is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making.
1: Welcome back. Uh, This is uh, Beyond Governance here at uh, 101.9 High FM. Um, I'm joined by Sakima Bele, who is the CEO of Pashasha Media, a local partner with the Chinese Trade Center or Chinese Trade Show that is currently taking place, or is about to take place uh, from the 15th to the 17th November. Uh, Before we enter the break, Saki is giving us very good insights. First and foremost, that um, the trade fair is business to business, and uh, they've sort of brought it down to you know ordinary folks, and they have managed to put together a cohort of about four hundred and fifty Chinese businesses uh, who are going to engage with with their South African counterpart on issues of business. I mean, uh, he mentioned that you know the some of the trades involves or include your electronics, your beauty, your built environment. So it's quite an extensive fair. If South Africans were to take advantage of it, could really take us uh, far in addressing some of the uh, unemployment issues that we we are experiencing. As a way of follow-up, Asaki, you did indicate that, you know, this is obviously at the entrepreneurial level of which I appreciate. So from South Africans, you know, do you have a relationship or have you invited or business associations like your SACIs, your small enterprise uh, associate, tell us through how you have sort of engaged the business community or, because that's quite key in understanding how the interface is going to take place.
2: Oh yes, there are a number of uh, organizations that we have engaged uh, since we started the the planning and the preparation of the event. I mean uh, we have spoken for instance uh, to uh, the Roundback Chamber of Commerce and Industry who are already involved uh, in the the event in terms of um, inviting their own um, members to be to be part of the event and also we have a very healthy relationship with the South African Chamber of Commerce and Industry, the Black Business Council as well. So we do have a number of organizations uh, that support uh, this initiative. For instance, uh, we, we, for, we have been uh, talking to the AIDC, which is um, an organization that deals with the automotive sector, you know, and um, they have well received uh, our proposal to work with them and to get uh, the Chinese businesses to speak with the local suppliers, you know. So there's a vast number of organizations that are already involved. There's another one called um, a Sub2, which is also uh, involved in our in our planning and uh, involved in, in terms of their, inviting their members to the event.
1: Well, that's quite fascinating to hear because, you know, the best route to promote, you know, that kind of entrepreneurship is to, to invite associations, because through associations, they can then extend the invitation or, you know, publicize this trade show uh, to their members uh, who then come in and observe what kind of trade or what sort of products and services are on the show, engage with their Chinese counterpart with a view to make business, isn't it?
2: Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, uh, one of the things that I always preach is that... Uh, If there's one thing that we can get from this event is actually to get to learn how how Chinese do business, man. You know, I think uh, by far that's the greatest opportunity, you know, to get to see how they, um, they get to tap into different industries in various parts of the world. And I think if South Africa can adopt a similar approach we would actually go far as a country, you know, in terms of um, not only uh, uh, getting uh, your foreign direct investors, uh, but also to promote South African um, uh, products, you know, across the world. So for me, it's very important that we learn, you know, how how Chinese do business so that we can be able to reach the same standards.
1: Interesting that you've raised that issue, how Chinese do business, because in it, there is that cultural nuance. Chinese have their own particular way of doing business. For example, an issue of rapport building is quite critical as opposed to perhaps maybe your anglo saxon you know, philosophy where in rapport, it, it isn't that much of an issue. So take us through that because it is important to anybody who's listening to this show and say, um, what is that I can do to learn more from Chinese in a, a matter of, I don't know, as long as I can engage with them. What, what are the biggest advice that you can personally maybe through to listeners as they are engaging with the Chinese counterpart?
2: Look, for instance, uh, one of the most important things is to understand the the logistics, right? Uh, For instance, if you want to order in bulk from uh, China, you know, what is involved in that process, you know, uh, in terms of the times, you know, of the consignments and uh, how to move the goods, you know, from one country to another, you know, um, the costs that are involved, you know, the various laws, that are involved in, um, in, in managing that process. So I think South Africans can learn a lot in that regard uh, so that we are able to therefore say, how do we begin to improve our own um, export fortunes, if you like, you know, and our own export uh, acumen, if you like. So I think that's one thing that we can learn uh, from, from China. The other part is uh, how they get to deal with the issue of language, right? Because of course, I mean, uh, Mandarin predominantly spoken in China. And uh, how do you therefore begin to tap into markets that do business in different languages? For instance, uh, the process of uh, getting translators in, in business you know, and still be able to conclude uh, like massive deals, you know, although the languages are different. So that's one of the things that I think South Africans can learn. The other one is essentially technology, you know, the technology that is used. For instance, at the moment, um, China as well, so things are still a bit difficult. So uh, part of it is highly hybrid where you get to speak to the China businesses, uh, business owners who have the knowledge you know through technology so these are some of the things that we can learn how do you begin to set up an event of this magnitude and still get to speak to all these people in different parts of the world as if they're in one room you know uh yeah so i mean i i could go on and on nimrod in terms of the many things that that we can learn you know i mean even the product i mean the products there's always uh, new products and and how things are done differently you know um the machinery, you know, most importantly, you know, for instance, I spoke to a lady today, in fact, uh, uh, you know, sorry, yesterday, I spoke to a lady who said to me that they came looking for a company that can do packaging for them. And to their surprise, they actually found a company that sells machinery to do uh, packaging. So this lady was saying, now I'm, I'm even thinking of doing my own packaging and sell these to other businesses. So this is what I mean when I say there's vast opportunity for us to learn at, at the same time do business.
1: Now, I couldn't agree with you, Mom. And If you, the space where you are engaging or interacting with, you know, sophisticated uh, communities such as the Chinese, you can only learn better or you can only improve your own thought processes in terms of how to do business. And I, I do like, you know, uh, your narrative or perhaps maybe insights on some of the things that South Africans can can understand or perhaps maybe try and learn, uh, for an example, uh, how to move goods from one entity to another, you know, what sort of laws that are involved, because it is not only Chinese who are doing business in South Africa, but also want South Africans to go and do a business in China, which is quite key. And also, how do you overcome language barriers? I mean, there are a lot of technologies out there. You know, you can trust. you know, you know, you just, words in English, somebody translates them in Chinese. So these are some of the barriers that we begin to chip that would encourage South Africans to go and partner with Chinese counterparts in China so that they could learn more or have a cost-effective ways of doing business. That's my take in that space.
2: Yeah, no, certainly, man. You know, in the same vein, um, it, it answers questions like, how do we begin to do business with the Germans? You know, how do we do business with uh, Italy? You know, and, and many other countries, like I mean, I mean, Korea, you know, and many other countries where they speak different languages, and how do we get to eliminate or rather deal with with those language barriers, as you say?
1: Absolutely, one one critical issue that this kind of trade fair would be most beneficial. It is the Africa Country Trade uh, Agreement, because that is also one big instrument in the continent, which, you know, this kind of engagement. But this will not be for Chinese products, but this would be for South African products or continental products. So it is also in the best interest of South Africans and Africans to participate in this a trade so that they can learn on how to you know leverage on the intercontinental free trade agreement which which you know trying to position the continent as the biggest market and i think from that end it is then it is worthwhile of south africans and africans in you know in general to understand the architects you know developing or conceiving this kind of event, so that they could put those in the context of the free trade agreement, which was signed back in twenty eighteen. Your your advice to would be listeners on this
2: issue. Uh, look, you you're touching on a very important subject. How do Africans begin to trade with one another? And this is something that is really close to my heart. And I believe that the the Free Africa Trade Agreement. creates an opportunity for African states uh, to begin to not only recognize the different expertise that you get from different countries, but also how do we begin to beneficiate as, as Africans, you know, while we're dealing with one another? And I think uh, China is, is an important uh, uh, partner, you know, in the in these discussions in a way. Because remember, currently uh, a lot of products are produced in China. So it talks to the same thing that we're talking about: is that how do we learn from Chinese so that we can be able to do some of the things on our own, you know? So I think I think um, on the subject of China, it still remains relevant in that way, you know. Although I do wish that one day we can definitely uh, uh, trade meaningfully as African states by reducing all the different barriers uh, from tariffs uh, uh, to to various other barriers that exist and that stop us as as Africans from uh, doing business with one another. I've had the pleasure of uh, listening to uh, Commissioner Wamke Lemene several times, you know, and some of the things that he keeps uh, talking about, you know, uh, are very uh, relevant to this discussion, you know, Mm. which includes um, uh, simple things like that block business owners from doing businesses with other African countries. You know, for instance, he was talking about the issue of visas, the complications that come with visas alone, you know, that some of the CEOs are expected by some countries to bring birth certificates, you know, to actually get to access the other country, you know, and he speaks about some um, transactions that have to be uh, processed uh, via the United States of America, you know uh, while africans are doing are trying to do business with one another but the transaction must go via the us so these are some of the things that maybe uh, at some point uh, nimrod we should really discuss at length and see how do we begin to join this uh, the discussions and, and and make meaningful contribution in terms of eliminating these barriers and creating unity for african states and, uh, and african uh, businesses
1: I couldn't agree with you more, uh, um, uh, Saki. I could not agree with you more because these conversations are not, are not separate, even though the gist of our you know, conversation today is about the Africa's largest channel's sourcing event, and which brings in a number of uh, entrepreneurs and associations for them to understand, first and foremost, the, the products and services that have been displayed and how to Partner with the Chinese, and how to take those products and and continue doing business uh, businesses in 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 their own spaces. And you do you did allude um, alluded to um, an individual that you came across who was interested in packaging. And by virtue I've been there and realized the same, there's a value add because there are other machines or machinery which you could buy, you know, or or use in in her own space. So it's quite interesting that it's almost like a one-stop shop and the whole lot of solutions um, that the trade is actually presenting. And I hope majority of SMMEs in the townships where the biggest need is are able to attend and able to see what sort of opportunities they can leverage off, leverage off by first seeing and partnering with their counterparts from that end.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. We open uh, those opportunities. For instance, when we uh, market the event, we make sure that we partner with uh, local media, you know, in uh, in different townships around the country, because we, we believe that uh, we should not limit access to these opportunities and these new technologies, uh, you know, only to your affluent sort of uh, business areas, but to open it up, you know, for the greater uh, South African folk. And we believe that uh, this is how we can grow, you know, uh, opening access and and creating access for small and medium enterprises across the country.
1: Absolutely. On that note, we're going to take a quick break and come back just in a second.
0: Beyond Governance, making sense of doing business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision making. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world and now it is a time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point. It is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making.
1: Welcome back. This is Beyond Governance here at 101.9 High FM. Uh, we are talking about China Home Life Machine X trade show, which is which has entered its sixth edition uh, in the continent. Uh, this is one uh, uh, fair that is quite interesting in, in so many ways. And I'm joined by Saki mabele who is the CEO of Papasha Media, a Lookout partner. And, and it's quite interesting what he had put forward as an incentive, added an incentive for a would-be entrepreneur who is keen to, you know, uh, see what is actually happening um, at that front. And I like, you know, before we took that break, Saki indicated that there is a thinking or imagined thinking, which I would imagine at some point will come to fruition in that these kinds of trade show should not be confined to affluent spaces. There has to be a, a, a guided or there has to be a concerted effort to bring them to the townships where the greatest need is. Because these kinds of um, trade shows are fundamental about entrepreneurship. This is, in my mind, they aren't necessarily meant for, you know, they're meant for people who are hungry and who seize opportunities. And townships economy is ripe with these kind of opportunities, because from a small machinery that could make a, you know, a difference to a bigger machinery. So obviously the entry levels are quite vast and vary, but it is important that at some point there's a movement towards taking these initiatives to townships. I'm happy to hear that there's that kind of thinking, uh, which will also dispel the myth that if you want something of quality, you come to suburban area
2: yes no indeed indeed
1: as we gravitate towards the end of the show what will be your highlights for the trade show Asaki?
2: the theme for this year is actually focusing on the automotive sector right so we have a lot of uh, uh, suppliers who are in the automotive space so these guys they sell different things from bearings to rubbers and different components of uh, like for vehicles and also machinery to produce those components, you know, and and, and that's that's what I really enjoy about the show. And we've got many other industries, for instance, the lighting sector. We've got a lot of companies that have different types of lighting. And also, as you know, South Africa facing a serious uh, energy crisis, as it were and we have uh, guys who have battery technologies from lithium batteries. You know, I actually visited some of them today just to, to, to take a look. So South Africans can actually now uh, begin to produce their own battery casings using the machines that are available at the show and uh, they can even purchase those casings, you know. Uh, So, and I mean, this is very exciting Nimrod in the sense that, remember that we do have um, natural resources in the country, and uh, there's there's this narrative that we must begin to beneficiate here which therefore means that we can uh, buy some of the components from china uh, f- like the batteries buy the casings and then we can actually use our own resources after beneficiation to be able to do the uh, to produce our own batteries you know so there's a lot of exciting things that are, that are, that, are, that are there That show uh, there's uh, consumer electronics you know there's um, electrical appliances you know, and yeah, various things. So I encourage anyone who's interested in diversifying or even expanding their business uh, to join the show and just get to see what's what's available there.
1: Absolutely. Uh, what are the requirements for entry? Take us through the the process. Do you just do I just pop in and come in, or uh, do yeah, I have to so, register? Or just take us through those details, please?
2: Yeah. So fortunately, the show is uh, the entry is free. Yeah, this will help you not to stand in, in long queues, uh, so you can of course go to chinahomelife.co.za to register, and then they will you will get an email with a uh, a QR code. So this is the QR code that you use uh, to get to gain access in into the event. So it's a very it's a it's a fairly straightforward thing. Really, you just just put in a few details about uh, of who you are and then you, you get the QR code.
1: Can you just maybe repeat the process, logging and process because we, we missed you just a bit there.
2: Oh, okay. So all you need to do is to visit the website which is www.chinahomelife.co.za. And then as soon as you get the thing on the front page, you'll find a short form that uh, requires you to just fill in your details and then you submit, it will send an email with a QR code to your email address, which you will use as a badge to access the event. So when you get to the event, you just uh, go to the gates, they will scan that code and give you an, uh, a badge. Then you can, you can access all the different parts, uh, all the different areas at the at the site. Yeah.
1: I think that's that's fair enough, uh, Becky, my brother. Thank you very much for uh, coming through, uh, Saki. Uh, you have given us food for thought, and I sincerely hope that the listeners of the show will be eager to visit uh, the Trade Center and see types of, especially those who are in, in, in the automotive sector, you've indicated it's automotive sector, lighting sector, you know, sector, the you know, electronics, there's a whole lot of uh, very interesting you know items that are on display so I'd I would sincerely encourage the listeners of this show to you know uh, spare an hour or two to go to Galaga estate observe those kinds of products and services that are on display and let's make a difference in the country saki once again thank you very much for coming through
2: yeah no, I appreciate it uh, Nimrod I'm looking forward to see uh, your listeners at the at the show
1: Absolutely. There we go. That was Sakima Bela, who is the CEO of uh, Papasha Media, a local partner for the Africa's largest China sourcing event, which is taking place at the Galaga Estate, um, Galaga Convention Center, big your uh, from the 15th uh, to the 17th of November. Uh, he was giving us very interesting uh, you know items that are on the display which I think will certainly benefit uh, South Africa particularly as we are turning the tide against the adverse impact of COVID. Let's do this again uh next week it has been absolute pleasure uh having you uh on board shalom.
0: We've weathered the unexpected we've stepped into a new world and now it is the time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point. It is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making.